we all have to accept what we've done in life and accept the wrongs. And we have to all face up to it. And if that's what he's done, he's got to face up to it. Um, I've often said I, I wish, you know, he'd grow a pair and admit what happened. You want to end all this? You want to end the suppositions? You want to end press coming to me and saying, please, please, please talk to me? Then how about telling what's happened? She was an international star. People loved her. Her family loved her. Hello, and welcome to Chapter 12, the final episode of Fatal Voyage, the mysterious death of Natalie Wood. I'm your host, Dylan Howard. It's been nearly four decades since Natalie Wood died. Since then, countless facts and theories about her death have been unearthed, and the case reopened. In 2013, the authorities finally admitted foul play may have contributed to her tragic end, and earlier this year, Robert R.J. Wagner was named a person of interest in her death. The public wants answers. It's time the truth was told and justice was done. But time is running out. Wagner is 88 and Christopher Walken 75. That so much emotion, conjecture and debate remains in this case after all these years is extraordinary and a testament to the enduring magic of Natalie Wood's beauty and talent. In this final episode, you will hear two intense confrontations with Wagner, one with Lana Wood and the other with a reporter from our team as we attempt to uncover the truth at last. Suffice to say, RJ is not exactly comfortable with either exchange. And as the authorities have found over the last 37 years, uncovering that truth has never been straightforward. So let's get back to the facts and the man at the heart of the case. Robert Wagner is likely the only person alive who knows what really happened to Natalie Wood and may be the only person alive who can say categorically whether her death was a tragic accident or whether it was murder. His testimony is crucial. The LA County Sheriff's Department has tried to interview RJ on numerous occasions, including once travelling to his Aspen, Colorado home in 2017. He refused to speak with them there, and not surprisingly, he has refused our multiple official requests as well. Former prosecutor and host Nancy Grace weighs in as to why that may be. Many people suggest that Robert Wagner is too old, he's in his 80s, to be, what, bothered by a criminal investigation? I could not disagree more. If you notice, every depiction of Lady Justice um, includes a blindfold over her eyes. Why is that? In one hand, she holds the scales of justice. In the other hand, which we don't really focus on that much, she holds a sword. Why? Lady Justice is blind to a person's sex a person's race, uh, their ethnicity, doesn't matter. That includes age. It doesn't matter how old a potential person of interest may be. 
what matters is the truth. And the truth is what Natalie's sister, Lana Wood, desperately wants. We've obtained this recording of her confronting him directly in an attempt to get answers. It does not make for comfortable listening. RJ, I just wanted to ask you one, sorry, I know the pain that you're going through and that I'm going through. You know, I know this has not been any easier for you. I know that. But everybody is going to drive me absolutely insane until everybody knows, you know. Why won't you speak to the detectives? They're super guys. Clear yourself if you can. Why would you even bring up anything like that? Realize what you've done. No, what have I done? I have talked to everybody. What, what are you, you I don't know, Kevin and of, Ralph, you, I don't you, accuse you of anything. You accuse me of murdering her, of taking all these positions. It's incredible. I can't believe that you'd do something like that. I just can't believe it. But RJ, you've, you've changed your story. I haven't changed you've anything. You've never said anything to me. I you have never, never changed anything. You never for one minute stopped and said, this is what happened. I know it's going to hurt I me. To me, to me, you did. Of course, I have stopped and said what happened. No, RJ, you really did. Every, everybody was on top of that. Look at all these people around. Oh, Jesus Christ! No. I I can't believe. Following this explosive exchange, in an effort to get Wagner to comment on the changes in his story, we recently sent one of our journalists, Andy Tillett, to speak to RJ directly and ask him the only question that really matters. Here's Andy describing what happened, the recording of their exchange at a fan event. So um, Robert Wagner was signing autographs for his fans at a thing called The Hollywood Show, where people who used to be in TV shows and old movies, they um, spend a day sitting at a desk signing autographs for fans who pay usually between $20 and $50 for the privilege. And so it was at an airport hotel, so it was quite a... Um, a very sort of normal sort of suburban kind of setting you know there's a big hallway with a number of desks and stars and the star attraction by far which I didn't realise was Robert Wagner and his wife Jill St. John and they sat at tables next to each other and as soon as the Hollywood show opened and um Everybody was allowed in. A huge line, probably about 80 or 90 people long, formed to go and uh, get Robert Wagner's signed picture. It was $50, and um, I joined the line, and he's there putting on a big smile for people and signing their autographs, um, shaking hands with them and posing for photographs, and he seemed in you know fairly good spirits. But actually, I was also very surprised to find that he was guarded by a member of the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, which, um, as the listeners to A Fatal Voyage will know, is quite controversial given that Robert Wagner has been named a person of interest in the mysterious death of Natalie Wood. And the same agency is there to uh, make sure everything goes smoothly for him. And they, they shadowed him very closely at the show. Um, so I got closer and closer to the front, and then all of a sudden, uh, the guy in front of me finished having his things signed, and I walked up very close to Robert, and um, I looked him in the eyes, and he said, ha look, you have the same shirt on as me. You've got good taste. 
And then that's when I asked him, you know, why he refused to cooperate with the sheriff's department. Why do you uh, refuse to answer the department's questions about the night the Lieutenant Wood died? I can't hear you. Why do you refuse to answer the Sheriff's Department's questions about the night that Natalie Wood died? Why, I beg your pardon? Why do you refuse to answer the Sheriff's Department's questions about the night Natalie Wood died? I'm not going to get into that here. Lana Wood uh, claims you murdered her sister. Did you murder her? Yeah, but what, what does that have to do with this? That, that's the same story has been out and out and out for years and years. I'm asking you a question. Now, the um, police department say that before... Um, are you with the press? Or what, what, they, are you with the press? Yes. What press are you with? Uh, sir, sir, we're we're not can't talk about that here. I'm Definitely. not going to get into that here, no. Okay, can you leave? I just, you know, I'm just trying to find some answers to questions that have lasted a very long time. Yeah, but this, this the, in the time the of place. The police determined this that uh, okay. Natalie had been beaten and was unconscious by the time yeah. she got in the water. Okay, you want to leave now? I'm asking nice to leave. I'll leave. He has a lot of work to do here. Okay, thanks a lot. Right. And instantly, his face fell. You could you could tell that I had really touched a nerve. And he um, he, he moved back, and uh, he, he he didn't really want to respond. He he just asked me what my question was again, and I calmly repeated, you know, why you're refusing to cooperate with the investigation. And he said, you know, we're not going to get into that here. And he became more sort of panicky and flustered and then his manager moved over and started you know telling me that i i, I couldn't uh, i couldn't do this and they asked me if i was a member of the media and i said that of course i was and i kept asking the questions and then the, the sheriff came over and uh, he sort of he didn't he didn't touch me but he sort of stood right in front of me and started ordering me away the idea that robert wagner is too old somehow to be interrogated by investigators is according to our reporter nonsense And besides, even if he was infirm and feeble, there is no statute of limitations on murder in the state of California. Robert Wagner's in great shape for his age. He um, spent probably eight or nine hours meeting people, shaking hands and signing autographs. He walked quite slowly, as an old man would, but he walked completely unaided uh, to the to lift. The thing that struck me about him actually was that he at all times appeared to be acting. You know, he is an actor and everything that he does is is like a facade. Every time he meets people, he sort of puts on his, you know, acting face and the way he greets people. It, it's, it's the way that an actor would do, you know. Um, but yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing about him that would suggest any sort of fragility. In fact, the opposite. For 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 an 88 year old man, he's very robust and he's very, you know, astute. So has Robert Wagner told police everything he knows about Natalie's tragic death? To find out, we contracted a top lie detection expert who tells us that Wagner may not have been entirely truthful during a series of interviews. Mike Silvestre is a certified voice stress analyst. We asked him to feed tapes of Wagner's confessions about what happened that night into a device called the Deceptech voice stress analysis machine. This is a computerised version of the famed psychological stress evaluation. The tool is used by more than 50 law enforcement agencies in the United States and others overseas. And it detects stress changes that indicate truthfulness which show up as waves in a computerised report. So 
After completing his analysis of two separate interviews, here's Mike Silvestre's conclusion. So what our software does is we actually take the audio from different videos or other audio sources that is loaded into our software. Our software takes in the audio and does mathematical computations and creates uh, readable uh, graphic waveforms that we can see on the screen and print out. Basically, uh, the waveforms that we analyze, these graphic screens that we look at, it basically, at the most simple level, if, if the great waveforms are in a Christmas tree type look, which they go up and straight down, it's the most truthful. If they become like a hedgerow where it comes up like your, your hedges are cut across the top and they're flat, you, that, that tells us that's the most stress that we have. That's uh, what we call a square block. Um, we can analyze what uh, people are saying and be able to take uh, a good, detailed look at exactly um, what they're saying and and um, and see if there if there's deception in their responses. Over a period of time, I've done many examinations, um, and I believe I, I'm an expert at it with the amount of time I've been in this. Um, I believe that uh, that I could answer any questions related to the facts uh, of the audio that we're analyzing. We asked Silvestre to analyze a clip from the confrontation between Lana and RJ, and here is his analysis. Why won't you speak to the detectives? They're super guys. Clear well, yourself you if you even, can. Why would you even bring up anything like that? Because you I'm hounded with it every single day. Do you realize what you've done? No. What have I done? Do you know we have a family? Do you know yes. Of the family? Yes, I know. I'm not a part of it. Thank you. But yes, we have a family. So obviously this is a... a uh, Atlanta initiated uh, confrontation with Robert. So, um, you know, they, they just the way they came up. And so, you know, looking at it, I, I analyzed in this particular one, I really analyzed kind of both sides of it because I was just kind of curious on, on uh, Atlanta's responses as well as Robert's and the way they interacted. You know, when, when they specify, you realize what you've done, she goes, no. <laughs> There's a significant amount of stress, uh, deception in that response. She, she knows what she did. It was, it was a planned response. Obviously, she wants to know what happened with Natalie. So, uh, so when she answered no, she was doing that. Um, and, then, and then as they continue on, uh, Roberts um, um, you know, goes on speaking uh, later on. And Lana speaks quite a bit in there. And then Robert says, I'm amazed that you even talked to me. And it's like, yeah, he's he's not amazed at that. I mean, he, he knows why she talked. I mean, he knows that she wants answers. I'm amazed that you'd even talk to me. Why wouldn't I talk to you? I've known you since you were since I was a child. No, I've known you since you were a child. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I have talked to everybody. What what do you, you I don't know, Kevin and of, Ralph you, you, I don't you, accuse you of anything. You accuse me of murdering her of taking all these positions, it's incredible. I can't believe that you'd do something like that. I just can't believe it. When he's, he's saying that, I've talked to everybody. He, 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 was, he had stress. He was showing stress on that response. He's a deception, um, not being truthful in what he's saying about that response. Um, as well as, you know, and, and, and they talked about uh, uh, me murdering her. There was a significant amount of deception um, uh, when when he responded murdering her, there was a a significant amount uh, when when that was said, and so that was a 
you know, that was something that really stood out uh, for him in the examination. But RJ, you've, you've changed your story. I haven't changed you've anything. You've never said anything to me. I you have never, never changed anything. You never for one minute stopped and said, this is what happened. I know it's going to hurt I me. To me, to me, you didn't. Of course I have stopped and said what happened. Jamie, you really did every everybody you was really on top didn't. of that. Look at all these people around. Oh, Jesus Christ, no. Oh, I, can't, I can't. I mean, Robert's different. So, I mean, Robert Wagner is, you know, he's a Hollywood star. He's 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 starred in all kinds of shows and, and movies. And so he has that level of finesse. He can he can talk to something and make it look like it's just normal. So he's not like the normal person on the street who gets very nervous. However, you know, looking at what he said, that's where we where it doesn't make any difference. The voice doesn't lie. So saying it never changed the story, that he is he is just absolutely being deceptive on that statement. He talking about changing the story, he may not have given enough on there, but you know, as far as changing the story, I mean he hasn't turned around and said I murdered Natalie Wood, or or I did something to her. So uh, on that side, he has, but we see that stress when he's saying that. So we know we do have what we call situational stress when somebody's talking about that. Yeah, well, I haven't changed my story. Well, no, I haven't necessarily changed it, but I'm very stressed out about saying that because he he knows that this is all about, you know, what happened to Natalie, and and he's not answering those direct questions. I mean, he, he has something to hide. RJ has something to hide. That much at least seems obvious. So why don't the authorities force him to talk under oath? There is no legal way at this juncture to make Robert Wagner speak to police. And I'll tell you why. Arguably, a defense would make an argument that he is now a target, although he has not been named a formal suspect. Once that happens, under our Constitution, you can't be forced to do anything You can be forced to give DNA, a handwriting sample, a voice exemplar, but you can't be forced to speak. And I would imagine that that would be the argument made to oppose him being forced to speak to police. But at this juncture, he is not a formal suspect. It sounds like an obscure point of legalese, but it's fundamental to Wagner's silence. Although RJ has been named a person of interest in the Natalie Wood case, he is not yet an official suspect in the case. And for the moment, that means he doesn't have to speak to anyone. But we have to ask, could that be about to change in light of all the new evidence this podcast has brought to light? The last man to see Natalie alive isn't talking. So what do those closest to Natalie and the case believe really happened that night? Her sister has no doubts. I think that RJ murdered her. I think by my not saying those words, which is what I've done for many years now, I've avoided it, is simply because by saying it out loud to myself, I make it real. And it's ugly and it's painful. And it creates a deep hurt. And, you know, I've I've spent uh, too many years apologizing and saying, you know, I hope this doesn't hurt. I hope this doesn't hurt this person. I hope this doesn't hurt that person. And I hope RJ's not hurt 
you know what? And I'm, I'm the one who's sitting here in the worst pain. So it's, it's time for me to just say it. There is no way around it. There is no other way it could have happened. And it's time for it to be said out loud. I believe that R.J. killed Natalie. I believe it was a marital argument that got out of hand and that this is one of those classic cases of a tragedy caused by a jealous husband. I think that Natalie didn't have a chance that night, no matter who was on board. A lot of people say, oh, if someone else had made the trip with them, I don't think that would have made a difference. He had a mission and he carried through with it. And I firmly believe that Natalie's death is a case of murder. I really do think RJ killed Natalie. In the beginning, I wanted to believe in Robert Wagner so badly. But as time went on, I mean, to me, it's obvious that he was the last one with her. You're not going to slip and fall when you're unconscious. The only way you're the only way you can get in that water is if somebody rolls you in the water or throws you in the water. But I don't think that would that would have really been the case. I think it was more like rolled into the water. So what would it take for something to change and for charges to be brought against RJ? As we have revealed over the past 12 weeks, there is a wealth of evidence and testimony to suggest Wagner should have those questions put to him. What is stopping that from happening? Dennis Deverne was the first to speak out about what really happened that weekend. A notoriously tight-lipped Christopher Walken has also since spoken to authorities and, crucially, corroborated much of Dennis's account. The only person who hasn't spoken to police since the case was reopened is Robert Wagner. Now, why might that be? Here's homicide detective Ralph Hernandez. Due to statute of limitations, the only charge here would be murder. We would have to prove murder in order to uh, not just make an arrest, but actually charge him in court. RJ's lack of participation in our reopening, his lie about the broken bottle, his changing of the story, certainly certainly adds to our suspicions about the case. Well, we would love to have an interview with Robert Wagner and for him to tell us the truth in that interview. And that's all we want in any of, in any of this and in any case that we work. You know, ultimately, we work for the victim's family. Um, and whether she was the victim of an accidental drowning or, or the victim of a homicide, uh, the bottom line is we, we want to get to the truth and be able to prove that truth. And that's what we would love to happen, have happen in this case. The fact is that we have a lot of information as to the events of what occurred that evening. We have a lot of evidence that tends to point to a very suspicious death and would certainly indicate the possibility of foul play. The problem is, while we can prove the events that led up to the argument at the back of the boat, ultimately, we can't prove how she ended up in the water. Without his interview, without his cooperation, we may never get to that truth. If there was a witness, that witness either isn't coming forward or has since passed away. It makes it rather difficult to envision us making an arrest anytime soon. 
In order for the Natalie Wood investigation to move forward, there would have to be another break in the case. And most likely, publicly, we would all have to know about it, and they would have to take, then pressure the police into acting. The only way this can move forward is if a witness comes forward and reveals something more about what happened that evening. It's the only way. I'd like to think that an arrest would be made, that what happened that night would be uncovered, but I must be totally honest. I don't think that will ever happen. It's been nearly four decades since the news first broke of Natalie Wood's shocking and sudden death. Since then, millions of words have been written and countless theories circulated about what happened. And still, it seems justice has not been done. Consider for a moment those bearing the greatest toll of all in this drama, Natalie's daughters. I'm, I'm sure this has been tough on Natalie's kids. I, I don't know how you could ever accept that your dad has done something like this, and they probably won't. So they won't speak to me either. I'm the bad guy to them because they think I've done something against their dad, and I haven't. But I understand. I, I understand. We reached out to representatives for both Natasha Gregson-Wagner and Courtney Wagner. As of this recording, we've received no response. However, just days ago, Robert Wagner released a statement through his personal representative, breaking his silence with these words, quote, They are despicable human beings, capitalising on the accidental death of a beloved member of the Wagner family. They should be ashamed of themselves. End quote. I'm sorry that this is hurting so many people, but it does. It continues to. And the only victim in all of this is Natalie. And that's what everybody has to remember. She was very loving. She was very loving, very giving to not simply to me, but anybody who came into her area of, of caring. She would do for them and cared. She left so much for the world in general. She left a lot. The young starlet who grew into a glamorous and sophisticated star, toplining iconic films loved by generations, remains a true legend, not just of her time, but of ours. That she was taken so young and so cruelly is all the more tragic. And the manner of her death remains one of America's greatest unsolved mysteries. Justice demands it should remain a mystery no longer. We have heard from those who knew Natalie best and from those who were there on the night she died. We have seen that all was not well in her marriage to RJ, that her husband's version of what happened that night changed several times under questioning and that his behaviour after her death was peculiar to say the least. We have uncovered evidence that was overlooked, perhaps deliberately, in the initial investigation. And we have shown that Natalie's death was almost certainly not the accident Robert Wagner has always claimed it to be. Lana Wood believes she knows the truth, as does the Splendour's captain, Dennis Deverne. The official investigation is ongoing, and our evidence is available at any time police may want it. And we can only hope that one day soon there will be justice for Natalie.
On behalf of myself and the entire Fatal Voyage team, we want to thank all of our loyal listeners for the support that you have shown our podcast since we first aired. Be sure to listen to a special bonus chapter coming up next week, where we explore a very controversial, albeit possible, alternative theory as to what led to Natalie's death. You won't want to miss it. Fatal Voyage is executive produced and hosted by me, Dylan Howard, and American Media Incorporated. Executive producers also include Kelly Garner and Carolina Saavedra from Treefort. Engineering, mixing, scoring, and original music by Tom Monaghan. Additional editing by Josh Workman. Make sure to subscribe to Fatal Voyage on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.